0: Hey everybody, we just wanted to uh, give you a heads up. Uh, We had some audio quality issues this week. So around the end of minute 38, you're going to notice that Jared and Ian's audio becomes a little bit choppy. We listened to it, you can still understand what they're saying, and we identified the problem and fixed it so we won't have it next week. I just wanted to apologize and give everybody a heads up. And uh, thank you for listening. Three
1: true outcomes, they want to entertain you today. Three true outcomes, insightful baseball news underway. You want to win that score sheet, you're going to want to stay with three true outcomes.
2: Howdy. Welcome once again to the Three True Outcomes Score Sheet Baseball Podcast, presented by Baseball Prospectus. This is the podcast where three friends chat about baseball, both real and fantasy, and give it a score sheet twist. I am the finest wedding planner in Westeros, Ian Lefkowitz, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. From Ann Arbor, it's a man who just wants a chicken, Ben Murphy. (laughs) I'm so confused. And joining us from the nation's capital, he hoders (laughs) his Hodor. (laughs) Hodor. Hodor. What? What um, is that from?
3: Game of Thrones.
2: Uh, yeah, figures. It's okay. Sixteen million people watch, and maybe two people who are listening to this. So maybe
3: one person who is listening
2: one. to this. <laughs> well, it's a two percenter. Um, <laughs> thanks, everyone. Uh, we have a, well, we presume a great and loose show this week. Um, we're going to take a question about uh, the best way to play sheet alone or together. Uh, less suggestive than it sounds. <laughs> we're going to then talk about supplemental drafts as a concept, and then, in practicality, uh, talk about some deep league action. Uh, we're going to tell you uh, who to start and who to sit in week three, and then we are going to wave goodbye to each other on our call. Um, before we get to uh, the big stuff we just want to talk about uh, go through the housekeeping quickly. Feel free to head on over to iTunes. Uh, again, subscribe. it helps us. Um, if these are egos, follow the links to our baseball prospectus article if you need to find the podcast in the future or if you want to see some of our podcasting discussion in actual words. As always, you can email us at scoresheet at baseballrespectives.com with any questions or any feedback that you can have. And follow us on Twitter at tto scoresheet, comment in a weekly article, or uh, join us for our inaugural chat on, Ooh. is that April 22? Yes, April
0: 22, I believe it's at uh, 8 p.m.
2: At 8 p.m., so um, don't make us feel alone. Um and, you know, if you have any questions, ask us then, or before, or, you know, consecutively. Um, all right. Any uh, any other preamble from you guys, or should we just uh, get right to it?
3: Let's get to it.
2: Okay. Uh, we got a, a, an interesting question this week. Uh, I'm not going to quote it in full, but um, and nor am I going to know offhand who sent it. Uh, so if you, guys, uh, if you guys could do that research for me, while I ask. Um, but the, the question was uh, basically, how do we function together, and whether uh, when we're playing score sheet, not on the podcast. I assume you guys can hear as well as yeah. The the dysfunction on the
0: podcast is self evident.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the answer on the podcast is not well. But in terms of um, in terms of score sheet. Do you enjoy playing in groups? Do you sometimes wish that you could just uh, play alone and not have to deal with uh, somebody crying over and over again for more 18-year-old Royals, (laughs) for example?
0: Um, More washed-up corner infielders on the Orioles.
2: So speaking of washed-up corner infielders on the Orioles, um, Jared...
3: You want to take this one first? <laughs> sure. And the uh, the question comes from Eric, so thank you, Eric. Um, I I vastly prefer playing with you guys um, because Ben and Ian are a lot better than me at certain aspects of of the game, um, and so rather than me being crappy and my team being crappy, results, uh, you know, I can just rely on Ben and Ian to. To do that for me, uh, I guess you know the downside is that I don't get better at, say, identifying prospects. Cause I just ask Ian, "What prospects should I get?" And he tells me the prospects. Um, and uh, I guess it also comes in handy because all of us uh, have busy lives, or at least the other two have busy lives, and I sit at home and watch TV. But you know, with all the various drafts and deadlines and trades, this way there's always someone who's around to respond to stuff. So plus, you know, you just if you find people you like playing with, it's fun to talk score sheet with them. Yeah, uh,
2: Ben, how do you, how do you feel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel similarly to Jared. I think one of the crucial things that makes it easy for us is that we have skills that complement each other fairly well. Um, I think not just in terms of our like actual fantasy baseball skills or like the things that are relevant to score sheet specifically, like your knowledge of prospects or maybe like my affinity for trading, but also like somewhat in our personalities where I think like, I feel like I tend to be somewhat uh, compulsive and Jared is fairly methodical and Ian, you're probably some moderate a little bit in the middle maybe. Um, and there's other ways that our personalities. I know, no, I'm not compulsive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's other ways that our personalities jive. Well, um, we've each, Well, I think I've run, I know, teams by myself against you guys, and I was always jealous that you guys had each other to bounce things off of and that sort of thing. Um, I think in general the best thing about running a fantasy team of any kind with somebody else is that the old adage about, nobody wanting to hear about your fantasy team is true. So the only way that you're going to get somebody to talk to you about your fantasy team is if it's also their fantasy team.
1: (laughs) That's
3: a good
0: point. And in that sense, we always have something to talk about because we're running, like, three and four fantasy teams together. Um, And, you know, all joking aside, I definitely feel like the teams that we build together are tangibly better than the teams that I've built alone. And it's hard to argue with all the other benefits around schedule sharing and everything like Jared mentioned. So.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, I agree uh, almost so hardly as, uh, I mean, I guess as befits fits us being on a podcast together, but I almost would not play fantasy baseball without being in a, being with a team of people for exactly the reason you said Then I was, I was going to make the same analogy, but slightly worse. Um, I, you know, it, it's just nice to have somebody talk about, uh, the stuff with, with the same frame of reference, and for that alone, I think it's good to have somebody on board, and also just to bounce ideas off, you know, I think, uh, like, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about my prospect fetish, but, you know, just... It'd probably be better just... if you didn't call it a fetish. Hell, <laughs> better, yes, but <laughs> more it's, accurate? yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, no, I think, you know, in the sense that my team, if I had one, would probably always have 24 year olds on it. Uh, and never any. It would be like Menudo or um, <laughs> that one movie with Justin Timberlake, right? You know, everyone would just be dead after a certain point. Um, but, <clears throat> it's called In Time. The movie is called In Time? Yeah. That's our solid non-recommendation of the week.
3: <laughs> it wasn't terrible.
0: Okay. Uh, Jared, you should do a podcast about movies or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, c- coming up in a slow week. Uh, but <laughs> I I recommend it... Well, this might be the slow week. I recommend it to everyone. So, uh, <laughs> this might be. I would say we didn't talk a little bit downside. I think there is, uh, there is one... Marginal downside, which is uh, something that we've definitely experienced in our team. Something I've seen with other partners is the kind of "let me get back to you" email. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good point. Which is, uh, you know, certainly sometimes when you're in a group, um, you know, your I guess trade your public face can come off a little haphazard when you're trying to trade with someone who's in a partnership. Um, you know, it makes them a little bit more unpredictable and it also probably makes them a little slower. I think we missed out on sometimes, uh, we missed out on deals that we might've had if we had more flexibility.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that we've gotten better about as the years have gone on is sort of preemptively discussing things like that. And I guess I try to handle most of the actual, like ongoing discussions with the other owners. And one thing that really helps me is when, I can reach out to you guys, like, in the very early stages of trade discussions to be like, you know, I'm talking to this guy, look at his roster, which rookies do you like, how would you rank them, you know, what sorts of needs do you think he has that we can help fill, and that sort of thing, so that we get on the same page before a concrete or specific offer comes across, and I don't have to worry, you know, oh, is Ian going to second guess that I got prospect X instead of prospect Y, or, you know, that sort of thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think that's... uh... Sound advice for anyone in a partnership I think both sides of that which is prep, prep in advance and then you know maybe even come up with roles for your team you know, lineup director farm director whatever it is um, maybe have a point person on trades uh, I yeah. think we've seen a lot of people do that just due to personality uh, but jared sorry
3: you know so I was just along with that I think you have to be willing to cede some control um like it, how ben's gonna handle our trades sometimes we just you know Ben's going to have the authority to pull off a trade if, even if he doesn't get a hundred percent agreement from both of us, and you, know, you have Wait, to be I okay with it. are you serious? <laughs> and and that's fine. But similarly, if if you know your partner or partners in a draft, there's just some guys that they target that they absolutely love. Like I don't know, Carlos Ruiz this year. <laughs> uh, you have to willing really, at some point hey, to say, you know what? I turned Carlos
0: you... <laughs> Ruiz into a profit.
3: <laughs> you... No, yeah, it, no. A lot of times they're going to be right. Um, but you have to be willing to say, you know what, I hate Carlos Ruiz, but <laughs> I'm going to let you have this one.
0: Yeah. There's always, i say every year there's a player or two that ends up on the team for each of us that like probably the other two would have downvoted except for there's this sort of complicit agreement where we each get like our one or two projects or like pet mm-hmm. players in exchange for not vetoing the other guy's ridiculous <laughs> pet players.
2: Yeah, I hope you all pitch in to buy me a Drew Hutchison jersey this year.
0: <laughs> or at least a t-shirt.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Wait, did you know, I, I don't mention know.
0: Drew Hutchison on the uh, starting pitcher podcast?
2: Possibly, yeah. Yeah. There I'm you go.
0: partial credit for learning ahead of time and mentioning it.
2: Um, yeah, so, you know, I think... Uh, I, I don't know, any more discussion might spin in circles, but uh, I think that's our kind of recommendation for both whether you should do it. I think we all think it makes the sheet experience better, um, but then also how to act if you are in a group. You know, one one thing I do
0: want to mention is I started Mm -hmm. out by myself, and I feel like that made it a little bit easier to appreciate what the difference is and like how we would work well together as a group and i know you guys sort of started out as a pair it seems like if you're working alone right now it'll be easier to appreciate the benefits but i guess i mean i don't know if you guys feel differently since you started out and have sort of worked together pretty much all along on score sheet stuff
2: yeah i don't know any better i don't know how to make a trade anymore so
3: I I actually started out on my own. I don't know if if oh, I told you, did you that I the, the
0: thing with your dad, right?
3: Yeah, I ran my my dad was in a league with some people. So, I they did a live jaff which was a lot of fun. Um it was like me, I was like 21 at this point and a bunch of 55-year-olds. Nice. It was yeah. Not
2: that we have anything against you.
3: <laughs> no. No, it was just it was odd being the the odd one out in in the room. Um and you know, I was the only one who had heard of BP or probably OPS at that point. Nice. Um yeah, Are I...
0: They still beat you?
3: Oh, yeah, no, because I had a great draft, but just, like, the the lineup stuff I was terrible at and the in-season stuff I was not my forte. Um, so, I mean, I did all right, but that that was sort of the... I remember, I because remember my dad, it was still back when he was getting, like, something in the mail, so I got something in the mail from Scoresheet. Wow. Now, I remember seeing Angel Pagan's name,
1: <laughs>
3: name on the list, and I was like, because his name is Angel Pagan, and that is my guy. <laughs>
2: And you know what? That would have served you well. Yeah, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. Yeah, that's a keeper. Um, So there you go. Ignore our fantasy advice and just take the people with the best names.
0: It's um. (laughs) It's almost like Jared, you could have benefited from some type of podcast telling you how to fill out lineup cards and stuff.
3: Yes.
2: Huh. Or (laughs) who to draft in the supplemental draft? Yeah. (laughs) Coming up uh, this. Uh, next week, I think, for most leagues, April 21, at uh, sure. the
0: start. Yeah, unless uh, you're in a crazy league that already did it, like we are.
2: Yeah, or in a league that's going later, or through May. Um, I think no matter what league you're in, though, you're probably most likely using uh, some form of supplemental drafting. And, uh, well, Ben, why don't we uh, kick this off with you? Uh, so, what is a supplemental draft? Uh, <laughs> Fair. Uh, I actually do need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody somebody needs to tell me before we start in on Monday. Um.
0: So one of the things that I found, actually, when people first start playing Scoresheet, and especially when they've played other fantasy baseball is, like, the mental adjustment from not having any, like, waiver wire and drop ads and not really having weekly transactions in terms of, like, roster um like the players on your roster and going from that to the supplemental drafts where you sort of start out with the initial spring draft is 35 rounds or whatever and then you're basically just adding a couple of players to your team every few weeks you know like once a month um i think is hard to get used to because i think initially a lot of players feel a little bit scared about not being able to be flexible with their roster And then you go through the draft process and you realize all the players that you might pick up if they were on the waiver are generally drafted anyway. Um, Obviously, there's always exceptions to that, but um, I think that's probably the reason that the supplemental draft continues to work. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that fascinates me a little bit is sort of the origins of the supplemental draft, at least for score sheet. And I think we talked about this a little bit offline, but it seems like it's Partially because when ScoreSheet first started, it was always done, you know, like Jared was saying, over like snail mail, basically through the USPS. And it seems like at the time, if you lacked the centralized or like computerized way of organizing waiver claims and that sort of thing, then doing it by mail and having it just be a straight draft might have made sense, where you sort of send in your list of guys and ScoreSheet drafts them for you. It seems like now Scoresheet could reconsider that if they wanted to. And, you know, I don't know if that would ease the pain of, like, transition for some classic Roto owners or not. Um,
2: I so, know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So what do you think is uh, the strength of a supplemental draft? Or maybe if you're, as you're leading into this, so what do you think a supplemental draft might cost you compared to, let's say, a waiver Format? for people making the transition. What do you mean by cost me? Um, What's the difference, or why would you prefer a waiver format?
0: Uh, I think players, or like owners, would feel like they have more control over their roster in a waiver format, because you're not really locked into the two guys that you end up taking in the supplemental. I mean, obviously you (laughs) can trade. You can trade regardless. Um, But when you take a flyer on a guy late in the draft, and he's a total bust, there's not really any recourse for you for that roster spot, right? Because you're not going to trade that guy that's a total bust. Nobody's going to want him. And so you've essentially blown a roster spot, whereas in a classic fantasy like drop-add waiver system, you could just drop the guy and take a flyer on somebody else. Um, I think the lack of that flexibility is... I think it seems daunting at first. I think in practice it doesn't end up being as significant, but I think especially guys that are savvy with prospects or... Um, you know, I guess paying close attention like I think, Ian, like you tend to do in terms of Mm -hmm. guys that are going to have short-term or local peaks in value um, could really benefit from changing from the supplemental drafts to a waiver system.
3: If I could jump off of that for a sec. Um, And I think this might have been what you were getting at, Ian. I don't know. Um, Is that I think with the supplementals, the way they're set up with sort of them being monthly, you have to plan the month ahead and make sure you're covered in terms of innings and in at-bats for the month ahead, and that's why you'll always hear us talk about making sure you've you got backups on pond backups. In a waiver wire system, if someone goes down, you can you know hopefully pick up his replacement or, or just get someone else uh, who's a free agent or a waiver, but in Scorsese now with the supplementals, unless you trade for somebody, you're sort of screwed if you don't have the backups and, and the depth there, and, and I think that's one big difference with the supplementals.
2: Yeah, I mean... In practice, I, I do like the supplementals, because I, like, uh, I do like discussing depth, as we'll probably get to in a few minutes. But, um, and, you know, I, I, I like the mental challenge of having to dig deeper, um, and I think that's one of the things that the lack of the waiver system forces, is, uh, you know, make sure that when you're picking a player that it's for life, or at least for... <laughs> the duration of the 2014 season. Yeah. So, you, you know, we now have, like, Chris Medlin as a lawn ornament for the rest of the year, uh, which we wouldn't have in fantasy baseball, let's say. But, um, you know, there is a cost to that, which is that uh, if you end up in Dutch with injury concerns, it's much more difficult to come back from that than it is elsewhere. Or, in a traditional fantasy league. And so if you do have a minor injury, I mean, this is one of the things we were debating, uh, I think, offline about whether to put into the podcast was like an injury section because there's very little recourse that you can have if someone gets injured. If Matt Moore, let's say, to pick a name entirely no. around <laughs> hurt for uh, a month like or the a knife week. knife
0: was before. fresh in my heart and you wanted to twist it.
2: Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> we're recording this on a uh, on a Tuesday, so we don't know how Matt Moore is or how his visit to Dr. Andrews went. Uh, if you do know, you know, in the future, uh, just laugh at us a little bit. Also, tell us if they found the plane. <laughs> I really like to know at this point. If you let us know, um, no, but so with those injuries, there's little recourse and you sort of have to make the decision, I think. Do I trade for a player to uh, probably at a loss to minimize the uh, the hole in my roster that was created, or do I just punt for six weeks and go with player AAA and kind of suffer the um, indignity of having a sub-replacement player on my roster?
3: Uh, well, let me ask you, because to me sometimes the supplementals sort of feel like strategy for the sake of strategy. That <laughs> doesn't necessarily add in. Like, if you, because I appreciate what you're saying uh, about having, you know, deep rosters where you, you know, the the it's a it's if you know, the more you know about the twenty-fifth man or the fortieth man on on the different baseball rosters, the better off you'll be. But couldn't you still have that if you had maybe slightly deeper rosters on scoresheet sheet, and then and then implemented a waiver system instead of supplementals?
2: Uh potentially, I think. My um I guess the benefit, uh, insofar as there is one, is maybe less with the supplemental draft itself and more with locking down um the roster slots so you can't just um you can't just churn with free talent. I feel like that's one of my personal issues with the shallower fantasy leagues that I play in, even more than, you know, me not understanding what a stolen base is <laughs> is like or, like, having to abstract RBI in my head. So My biggest challenge with, uh, you know, the traditional fantasy leagues is that I feel like there's never any cost to really to drafting being for... Orman, wrong on a guy. To being wrong on a guy after the stars. And, you know, it's just, it's just dealing with baseball at a much higher level. Than yeah,
0: I mean. I mean, there is some there's cost, it. right? But the other thing that I think is worth considering, and this is probably a bigger question, but... It seems to me like you could wonder whether or not it's worth rewarding somebody for knowing anything about Jake DeGrom or not, right?
2: Stop Stop stealing. Stop looking down my I'm just uh, saying, uh, rough, well,
0: yeah. you, know, like, you know, like, I have never heard of Jake DeGrom before today, and the most interesting thing to me is still the uniform snafu. It's nothing about his performance on the field. I, I guess I, I don't know that I would personally say that I feel like it's worth rewarding that knowledge, but I guess, well, I guess that's a bigger question, but that's sort of what you're getting at, right? Is that theoretically the, the, um, the increased cost and score sheet of being wrong on the guy that you're guessing means you're increasing the reward for being right by association. Right. Right.
3: You're questioning Ian's entire existence, I think.
0: I'm, I'm not questioning his existence. I just think.
2: Yeah. Are you suggesting that maybe knowing 1,500 to 2,000 professional baseball players is not a valuable skill?
0: <laughs> I think so. Here's the trade-off, right? The trade-off is actually not just about whether or not we want to reward this particular skill set, because the alternative is theoretically a mechanism. You could also say mental disorder. Easier. <laughs> The alternative is actually, I think, a mechanism for running the roster management in a way that's easier for people to understand and get used to and use in an ongoing basis, right? It's not that the complex, like, like the the concept of supplemental drafts is complicated, but the actual implementation makes, like Jared say, you're sort of setting up this situation where you're rewarding strategy for the sake of strategy without necessarily balancing, I think, the user-friendliness or whatever.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I I would love to hear, if any listeners haven't checked out after we said Jake DeGrom for the second time, um, (laughs) I would love to know, you know, I think there are some leagues that have junk supplemental drafts for another system. Um, If you use supplemental drafts, I'd love to know what you think of them, uh, what you think of the talent that you get, Um, and if you've scrapped them, I'd love to know what else is out there.
3: I've seen, I think, uh, some leagues that use some sort of, in a sense, a free agent system where you, you have uh, X, like, say, 10 pickups per year, and you can, whoever, I guess, claims that person first gets him. but you have a, sem- a limited number of acquisitions.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, because I, I feel like a lot of this, uh, you would have to run off book in some way.
3: Yeah, well, I think you see that more and more. I mean, we're in, like, the salary leagues that's off
2: book. <laughs>
0: Really, in more yeah. ways than one.
3: Yeah,
2: so I think um, you know, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Um, you know, I don't know if we were resolved it over the internet today, but um, nothing ever
0: gets resolved over the internet. Yeah.
2: Well, that's that's disappointing. Except except uh, score sheet league championships, I suppose. <laughs> Um, well, the internet probably, uh, resolved the How I Met Your
3: Mother finale, though.
2: Mm. Oh, oh, with a better finale. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't we transition to talking about some of these uh, players who you probably shouldn't or ever want to need to know. Um, we were getting a, 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 some questions this week a little, uh, or some complaints this week about the rash of pitcher injuries, which... I guess, always exists, but it feels like uh, it's really hitting hard this year. And um, we, we did get an email from someone, um, uh, a follow-up email, talking about how, um, I guess, injuries or and uh, minor league assignments kind of decimated the back end of his starting rotation, which I, I know we've certainly felt in a league or two. Um, we're... Probably, we're a week in and we're already down, I think, at least one starter in every league we're in. And I, I doubt that that's unusual.
0: In some leagues, we have only one starter total.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a, huge, a huge slam on Ryan Vogel song, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to take a look or check in on deeper leagues this week and um, talk a little bit about what to do for starting pitchers if there are no starting pitchers remaining in your league. So that might be some AL and NL leagues that are larger, as well as uh, some of the deeper mixed leagues. Um, you know, we are certainly in a league or two where you just can't find starters in the supplemental draft. I think in a normal um, in a normal supplemental draft, you'll be able to at least find your um, Dustin McGowan's and uh, whatnot. They, they flop some that kind of roll around the back end of the roster. But, you know, sometimes even those players are gone. So what do you do, and who might be coming up in the next couple months who you can stash, who may not be the top prospects who we assume are already gone, but are players who might be available. Um, So I don't know, do you you guys want me to just monologue about players for a little bit?
0: I can pretend to know stuff, but it'll just screw things up, so...
2: (laughs) um let me um let me start actually with Jared though because i i'm gonna uh ask one question of him uh what have you heard about sukman Yoon, the starter slash mystery player for the uh your two thousand and fourteen baltimore orioles <laughs>
3: um and their their foray back into koreans um i think that <laughs> okay,
2: Dan cats <Duquette's>, uh, <laughs> Last chance before he was thrown out of Korea, Is that accurate?
3: <laughs> so this has already gone way better than the last time. Um, <laughs> I've... <clears throat> so, I- I've heard that they want him up soon. Um, I don't know what his role is going to be. I don't think there's any room in their rotation. I think it'd have to be as a reliever. Yeah, hard to
2: so. crack that for Knox.
3: <laughs> well... They have, but they have like other pitches who come up first, I think. Yeah. You, think?
2: you didn't know I mean, me think this
0: was just going to be bashing on the Orioles. I would have yeah, signed, a... I mean,
2: yeah,
0: but... <laughs> signed up for that. I,
2: I, I sort of feel the same way, that his destination is probably in the bullpen, but I feel like they have to bring him up relatively soon because they've just paid so much money into him that, or relative to the Orioles that it would kind of be a waste not to. Uh, I feel like he is, in some ways, their sixth starter ahead of uh, Britton or, you know, Mattis, who they keep giving every spring training. Like, you'll you'll start, and then it's like, oh, you're going to throw one pitch again.
3: (laughs) It's very weird what they do with him. But yeah, I I agree with you. Everything I've heard suggests they want to bring him up as soon as possible. I think they just want to make sure he looks okay in AAA.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's somebody to monitor in the next week, maybe his next start or two. And if he is looking good, just add him probably into this supplemental or next one. Um, moving on so today uh, we kind of were faced by a Matt Moore injury. Uh, so this might be already um, this might be already irrelevant, uh, especially since it doesn't look like he's the sixth starter on the Rays. Um, Nate Carnes is, uh, was traded over the offseason. Jose Lobotone, uh, and is now is now on the Rays. Uh, he projects to be much, well, much better than Eric Bedard, who, if you've seen Eric Bedard in the last half decade, you'd kind of understand why.
3: Someday um, we're going to tell the Eric Bedard bobblehead story, and it'll be <laughs> glorious.
2: Do you want that? Uh, make that day today. No, we, let's, let's save it. We'll okay. save it. Uh, there is an Eric Bedard bobblehead story, let your imagination run wild. Um so the Rays are kind of suffering from injuries to a degree that they haven't really in the last uh since their run. Um I I assume Nate Carnes is going to get a shot at some point. And I'd like his chances to run with it. I think he projects better than Helixson, at least. Um
0: it's not hard to project better than Helixson.
2: Yeah, but I mean the the Rays know that. So I think we're talking an end of rotation starter or you know, and I think this is really, if you need to speculate on the starter, if your injuries are such that, um, you know, you're looking for desperation or you want help later on, August, September, um, and you're looking for performance over, let's say, bulk innings. Because if you want bulk innings, I would go with Eric Bedard, who's probably going to have the job first.
0: Is uh, um, any Romero fully converted to the pen at this point?
2: You know, I I don't have a great sense of any Romero. I'm not a huge fan, to be perfectly honest. I think he has control issues that will never be resolved, really. But um, you know, I I guess he he is starting in Durham. You could see him up. I, the the Rays tend to slow walk their pitchers so much that. You know, Jake Odorizzi is what twenty-seven or something, and he's finally getting his first crack at the big leagues. Wow, I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, that's not all it, their fault, though. No, but I think they like taking their time with their prospect because of uh, because of money. Anyway, oh, he's twenty-four. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, certainly Hellickson was in a season, a uh, level of season. Um, I, I think Romero is going to get the full year in AAA, no matter what, and I do see him as more of a setup guy in the end, really. Um. So uh, some other AL opportunities on the Jays. Um, the Jays have a couple of big name prospects, Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez, who you uh, guys probably know already. Um, they are probably taken in your leagues, so I would go a little bit deeper and say um, that I think Sean Nolan, uh, a player who came up momentarily last year, has a pretty good shot of getting a job at some point, especially with some more injuries or issues on the Blue Jays uh staff that currently, I think Jay Happ is their four starter and Dustin McGowan is their fifth starter. He's going to be healthy for another like twenty minutes. <laughs> So, you know, I, I think like a lot of the players I'm going to talk about, he is a kind of more of a future number four starter, maybe not a long-term keeper, but definitely somebody to speculate on if you are looking for um, a short or medium-term fix. Uh, similarly, Eric Serkap in the White Sox organization, uh, he's on the 40-man roster, which is very important when you're looking for people who are coming up. You sort of want to look first at the players who are as frictionless as possible. Um, I think he's behind Andre Rienzo uh, in the pecking order in that rotation, but he's probably more talented than Rienzo, and I think had the most natural talent of the depth starters for the White Sox. You might remember him as a semi-big-time prospect for the Giants. I guess a medium-time prospect. Um, He had Tommy John surgery two years ago, And so he's now, I think, about 18 to 24 months out of Tommy John surgery. There was a great article I I passed around this week uh, from Fangraphs.com, and everyone should check that out, uh, about when the best time is to get a um, starter coming off Tommy John surgery. I thought that was enlightening. Um, I don't know how you guys felt, but I think, you know, Eric Surkatt might be the kind of guy who has been dismissed who may have... um, may come back to be the average pitcher that we know and tolerate. Um, on Cleveland, Josh Tomlin uh, is probably one of the strongest starting candidates currently in the minors. I think maybe one of the players most likely to succeed. I think he's probably, in, he's probably been taken in a number of leagues because it seemed like he was going to have the job for much of the season. And he probably deserves to have Carlos Carrasco's job. But Carrasco is out of options, and Tomlin is not. Uh, he's also a year and a half out of Tommy John surgery, so I think, in that same vein, um, he might um, come back to his relatively strong performance. I think you might remember uh, the way he started off the season a couple of years ago, uh, before we kind of falling apart a little bit. But I, I think he's a—he's always been a relatively solid option and I think Cleveland is running with a less-than-solid option um, elsewhere. Um, Sorry. Uh, Moving over to the Angels, Jose Alvarez. uh, I think he's probably the worst pitcher who I'm going to talk about today, Uh, but he is in the Angels system, which means (laughs) he has a tremendous chance of being (laughs) a starting pitcher, before the end of the year. there's That's just a really uh, desperately empty farm system to the point where they traded it away um, Andrew Romine to the Tigers to be their, s- their starting shortstop for whatever reason. Um, I think he's the only big league-ready star- uh, starter in the Angels system. So if you're looking for uh, kind of bulk inning, and the, the Angels do not have... A, they do not have five Cal with on their roster, so I think they're going to need to dip into the uh, need to dip into the rotation. There, frankly, aren't a lot of people who I would recommend beyond that. And even Alvarez is pretty dicey. Uh, I think that's mostly if you need to really speculate on endings in the deeper AL league. Uh, I just want to move over to the NL quickly. Um, uh, Miami Marlins. You're surprising Miami Marlins. Um, Small sample size, woo! (laughs) That's my favorite kind of sample size. (laughs) Um, I could mention, I I talked about it briefly in a previous podcast because I thought he was going to get the job. Um, Brian Flynn is uh, a very strong six starter. I think uh, the way that Tom Kohler has pitched in the, I guess, spring into the beginning of the rotation is, made. Miami's rotation is very stable, but Flynn's probably next on call early in the season. Um, by the end of the season, he might get passed by a number of prospects, like uh, uh, Justin Nicolino, Andrew Tini, Adam Conley, Jose Reina. Um There are any number of players who are kind of in the upper levels of the Marlins system. It's a pretty deep organization, which is really unfortunate, because it's more than Jeff Laurie deserves. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, if you're looking for April-May speculation, uh, especially with you know, uh, Hector Sonnora's been a little twingy in earlier going, I think there's a chance he'll uh, get a few starts. Uh, now uh, on the message, Jake DeGrome, who we learned about earlier today.
3: <laughs> this is my Levine, by the way. I had never heard of de DeGrome, and so I called him. I called him out. And I was like, "This is not a real person." <laughs> Not, even, not only did Ian absolutely, but Ian had like a newspaper article about this guy at his fingertips. <laughs> um, the best part, be, the, yeah, the, the
0: best part about the newspaper article is that it revolves around the Mets' inability to furnish a jersey that properly spells Mr. DeGrom's last name.
2: And in particular, the lowercase letter D. If anybody has missed this, uh, this is where baseball nerdry, typography nerdry collide and just the. Uh, Amazing, amazing story. Um, the the Mets have three or three players on their team: with a lowercase letter D, uh, Travis Darno, James DeGro, Matt Decker, um, and their equipment manager. Uh, just had a, a I guess uh, what uh, a mild aneurysm about this because <laughs> they were using lowercase D's as D's, and they were using capital letters, and it just felt like anarchy. And he managed to overturn the system, and get lowercase d's printed in 2014, which I think is the cat attitude attitude answer that defines your New York Mets.
3: <laughs> I can't believe this happened.
2: Right. So, as for Jake DeGrom, the actual player, um, he, you know, it, it's pretty stacked rotation for a Mets, maybe not on the Major League level, but... I think DeGrum is actually one of the better six starter options out there, uh, just with his own skill. He's in the he's at the back end of the top 10 prospects for the Mets. Um, he has a good sinker. He has some power. He has a legitimate ceiling to be a potential borderline keeper, especially in 13 team leagues if he takes the job and runs with it. Um, he kind of has to worry about the rotation is pretty settled, um, and there are potentially some better options behind him. And, uh, you know, he's competing against Rafael Montero, he's competing against Noah Syndergaard. Uh, but DeGrom is the one of the three of them who's on the 40-man roster, so I do think he's the one who comes up first. And I do think he's a pretty strong target if he hasn't already been taken in an NFL League. Uh, on the Cubs, I think uh, someone else who we mentioned previously, uh, Kyle Hendricks, who is, uh, I think, he ranks him number 11 in the Cubs system. He's actually not on the 40-man roster. Uh, he's a, uh, he was the, I think, third piece of the uh, CJ uh, Edwards. Uh, or was the fourth? The CJ Edwards, my Old, Christian Villanueva, and Kyle Hendricks. um great. He, he is a kind of future back-end starter with some now value. Um, he's probably already better than Jason Howell. Well, it's perfect. <laughs> Um, so am I that's yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, right. you know, because he's on the 40 man I, I wouldn't ordinarily mention him but I think an opportunity to arise for him with a, a trade of Justin Archer or somebody else uh, where they would open up the roster spot and I think he's going to come out this year uh, either in the bullpen or in starting rotation I think um, it, uh, Chris it uh, has the first shot, but Hendrix might come up probably later the summer. And if you're looking for maybe marginal prospects. Might be someone to fool around with.
3: We actually visited his museum in North Carolina,
2: didn't we? The yeah. Hendrix Museum? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a joke for everyone who's a NASCAR fan. If you are a NASCAR slash game of thrones fan, <laughs> uh should be <me> later <laughs> I I wanted the other one of you. Um on the same as Cardinals, uh, actually one of my favorite kind of high minors prospects is um, Tim Cooney, um, who is the uh, number nine prospect in the Cardinal system, according to Jason First rankings. Innings. Um, he is a, again, like a lot of these guys, a low-stealing innings either, but I think he has some history of striking out batters in the lower levels, and I'd love to... I'd love to see if that holds up. I feel like Cardinals pitchers are sometimes known to surprise. You know, last year, for instance, Tyler Lyons came up and did pretty well. I feel like he's the kind of guy who would be much more widely known if, um, in a shallower farm system, or maybe in a team on a team that didn't have 10 starters already. But I think he is probably one of the starters who... Will, or he's probably someone who will get a chance later this summer with Cardinals, even though they have a lot of starters. A uh, number of them, like Carlos Martinez, are not players who can really move around in season. Uh, so they may just give him some starts rather than uh, mess around with some of their more established players. Um, I think, uh, oh, um, I think that might be about all I have. Um, anybody else have any favorite good. <laughs> uh <laughs> Maybe, uh, Wait, did you already talk
0: like, about my boy Jake DeGrum?
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 no. I was listening, that's the never mind.
3: I,
0: I, I The joke so is I never heard about. of him before today.
2: Look, I'm
3: I'm what bad at jokes. Right? To <laughs>
2: um why don't we make you happy? Can you rant about Ryan Braun for a minute?
0: I don't... I mean, I can. I'm not going to. I just wanted to point out that, like, there's all kinds of drama around Ryan Braun in the last 12 months because of the original, like, positive test appeal, like, repealed suspension, and then last year with all the biogenesis nonsense. And I think there's all kinds of speculation, and he hit, like, three home runs today. And I was just like... <laughs> hey, all you guys can go fly a kite in the rain, because he's still good, and he'll be good. Nice and, and running, yeah, friend. the PEDs probably didn't help him with anything outside of his brain, maybe, but
2: I don't know. Yeah, uh, right, not a guy who I would want to invite for dinner or, like, invest a of some money with, but likely <laughs> to be just an, as great as ever.
3: I, mean, I gotta ask, do you take this personally because some people have said you look like Ryan Braun?
0: People do say that. Uh, I take that as a tremendous compliment, because Ryan Braun is a very handsome gentleman.
1: I always love Buster
0: Posey, by the way. I don't know well enough what Buster Posey looks like. I I don't take it personally on that level, but I take it as an affront to my sensibility that somebody would try to persuade me that Ryan Braun's not a tremendous baseball player, or you know, the biogenesis or PED stuff is sort of tarnishing his uh, on-field ability. Obviously, it does a hit to his like PR and his like um, image, but I don't really care about that. So,
2: one day I will just mention the words Barry Bonds, and we'll let the paper cry.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> so. Ian's joking because I love Barry Bonds, but I didn't tell you guys. So I went to a wedding last weekend and on the flight down, I was reading ESPN, the magazine and they had a little blurb in there about how Barry Bonds was a spring training instructor. And Christina's sitting next to me and she's like, who's that? And I started of look at her like, are you trolling me right now? <laughs> and it's, it's Barry Bonds. Right. And, and she's like, "Who's that?" And then I was like, "Wait, you're really serious?" So, so we had to have the Barry Bonds conversation, and and so I say, that, it's "That's really the foundation of any relationship." Right.
3: This, this is fiance. Yes. By the way. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. We've been we, together we've for been like three and a half years, and no, so I missed a step. I said it's Barry Bonds, and she goes, "Isn't he that guy that cheated?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh man." <laughs> So, no,
0: I mean, it, it was it was a good conversation, and it made the, the flight that's not all that long anyway uh, go much faster, because I basically just got to run my mouth about Barry Bones the whole time.
2: Um, yeah, anyone else have any, uh, <laughs> any sorry, it, it is a great story. I mean, um, any any thoughts from the first week of baseball? <laughs> or I guess the first and half week of baseball for you people in the future, with your Martin and Fly scoreboxes? <laughs>
3: I just love that baseball's back. It's been fun to watch baseball again.
2: I am just personally, um, you know, I, we can't really look at the numbers yet, which is why, you know, some of this is a little content-free, but I'm just really excited personally to see how many years Chris Calovello has given himself in the league based upon one really hot week. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he at least <laughs> has right like himself, and he may <laughs> it well into 2015 at this point. Uh, and I, I'm really happy for him.
3: So you're not a believer is what you're saying.
2: I think you know, he would be an adequate replacement level DH. Um, but, no, do, am I on the train? Yeah. I, I guess I'll draft him and uh, Youngham versus uh together. and we'll, we'll hit 400 for the rest of the season.
3: Well, that's that Magic Yankees elixir, right? No matter who they start, just going to go off because of the Yankees. Evil.
0: (laughs) Yes, evil.
2: We can leave the the podcast running for another fifty-five minutes. At that point, Um, (laughs) so anything else, or or should we just uh, talk about some players? uh, Week three coming up.
3: Uh, Uh, You will bet you didn't want to get into.
0: I mean, we can mention it. We all got the emails because we're signed up on the list for RBI Baseball, and I think we all sort of shared. (laughs) Yeah, the yeah. no, I mean the video game, right? Yes. And I think we shared a moment where we were all sort of more giddy than we wanted to admit and then admitted to each other and we're all like, oh, okay, it's all right. Everybody else is excited about this. Uh,
2: if you ever want to attract a pack of 30-year-olds, I think mean, just say we brought RBI baseball back.
3: I can't tell you how many hours of my life I've spent playing that game. And not like you know, 15, 20 years you ago. Know, I'm talking about like last year or this year how many hours of my life I've spent playing an emulator version of RBI Baseball.
0: So I just got a Raspberry Pi recently, and the first thing I did was load old-school emulators on there, and the first game I played was RBI Baseball.
3: Which team did you play as? Uh, Would you guys like to play as when you're
0: playing? Uh, I just like to mix it up. I just pick one randomly.
3: Same. I would go with the Tigers normally. It seemed like I would always hit a ton of homeworks with them. This is what I felt like, so I would would close them.
0: It's those RBI park effects.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of that email, by the way, uh, the mass email that went out today, uh, was that they were proudly featuring two buttons. But you only need two buttons (laughs) to play it. And you can tell that I'm a 30-year-old non-gamer because I went, thank God. (laughs) That is such a selling point. (laughs) some point on the train, like, they went with, like, oh, uh, you have to, like, you know how in modern video games sometimes they say, like, press Y immediately, and then I have to look down hmm. and figure out which one is the Y? Which one the is... <laughs> Two buttons! That's all, you
3: know. Uh, to your point, you know, I don't, like, I mentioned to you guys, I don't know if you read it, but, um, there's an article on MLB.com, uh, uh quoting Adam Jones on RBI Baseball, and uh, Adam Jones says, uh, "You got all these games that are super high tech. This game is just straight to the point. Swing the bat, run the bases. Nowadays, you can have one guy lead off and have one guy steal, and it's too technical for me. I can't be thinking too much."
0: <laughs> well, we wouldn't want I mean, Adam Jones
3: talking like a guy who my box last.
2: He was about like, I, you know, do everything. You can take pitches. <laughs>
3: I love Adam Jones, don't get me wrong, I love the guy, but it seems like maybe he will not be a manager in the future. <laughs> Uh
0: Yeah, he could be like a single A bench coach maybe. Yeah. And that's what you need to be a single A bench coach.
2: All right. But he
3: didn't uh, need Quentin Barry in the game, so he's got that going for him.
2: You can't get Quentin Barry back in life. I don't know. He made like ridiculous
3: He's got the desire to win. Hunger. It's
2: the
0: will to win, Jared. Come on. Sorry. Butchering the hashtag. All right, Ian starts it. Oh.
2: Yeah, let's, let, let's get out of here. Um, Lay it on me. We, we did say this one's going to be a little looser. So, truth in advertising. Uh, week three, very exciting. Um, you know, you started to, uh, I guess, get used to your team. You probably lost about two to three starting pitchers <laughs> already. Um, so, again, starts. I'll just mention this a, a few times, especially in the early season. Uh, the way I'm perceiving this is just... Um, you know, we're not looking at the top players. Uh, these are players who are probably uh, who, if you're an active manager, you may want to flex in and out of rosters, depending upon the week. Um, especially if you update your lineups frequently, which we do recommend. I mean, that would steal a few wins, and it gives you something to do during each week. Um, so this week, uh, I have a three-star three-sit. Uh, first starting Uh, for a start option, uh, Michael Choice of the Texas Rangers, uh, who, like most of my starting prospects, uh, he is one for nine so far this season, has been mostly on the bench, and has run Washington as his manager. And I know that sounds enticing, (laughs) Um, but Texas is moving into the soft their schedule this week, so they... uh, They do face Felix Hernandez this week, but they also get back of the Seattle and Chicago rotations, both at home. And I think at some point they're going to want to give Michael Joyce an opportunity or sit him for a week. Definitely, I think most of your Rangers should probably move up in the lineup. But I want to point out Joyce as somebody who may be worth playing over your starting uh, outfielder if you're not particularly fond of him. And capitalize on his two or three appearances and then let your starting outfielder take the rest of the week. Um, speaking of hot hitters, Mike Mustakis, uh, as we record this, is over 21 to start the season. Uh, I think, uh, Jared, you're going to win that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to say told you so.
2: Um, I'm going to recommend him this week. Because
3: um, he can't right. get any worse. <laughs>
2: Uh, Well, they're they're not going to bench him. They're not going to release him. And this week, he's facing Minnesota and Houston and not the front to ride the rotation. So what do Minnesota and Houston have in common? A bunch of black ball-costing varieties. Um, So I think many Royals are going to take advantage of this, but I think you may want to roster Moustakas this week or uh, get back in there just to, because there's a tendency to kind of speak for power. And I think, uh, when you're facing Phil Hughes and in Alaska, that's kind of a fun thing to uh, have in your pocket. Take that. Take in Alaska. that back, sir. Take that in Alaska. So, I would say, don't panic on Mustakas at least for another week, and don't bash him. Um, I-, I do want to mention a player who has actually started the season well, just for a little change of pace. Uh, Nate Evaldi, who has been uh, eviscerated in the league. Uh, and unfortunately uh, I did realize putting this together, this is my second straight week recommending a basically facing the Seattle Mariners. We've been having a pretty good uh, week so far, but uh, I think a is kind of an early season breakout, but if you haven't been following closely to the Marlins, I don't know why you wouldn't. I assume we have mostly Marlin fans. <laughs> uh, Lots <velocity laughs> You know, I think he seems to be really consolidating his skills. Even if that part is a fluke, though. If that's illusory. Um, I would recommend starting him against most you know average teams at home, or if he's in another pitcher's park like Marlins Park. So uh, I do think you know Seattle is somebody, or Seattle's a team where you want to probably start your lefties and rest your righties, uh, and I think they'll be it's probably. Uh, particularly prone to this list. But even besides that, I think he should be in irritation rotation more weeks than not. Uh, just move over to the sit side, um, I'm going to suggest, uh, well, maybe "sit" is a strong word, but maybe uh, moving Jason Worth down the order this week. Uh, Jason Worth has hit approximately 8,000 over the first week as well. <laughs> um, he, I think he's stolen all of Bryce Harper's mojo. Where there's like a portrait of, uh, like there's a portrait of Bernie Gray in Bryce Harper's locker. Um, <laughs> but week three is gonna be pretty tough on Washington, especially all the righties, because uh, they're gonna face um, every one of St. Louis' starters except Joe Kelly, and then they get Jose Fernandez as a little appetizer. So. Jeez don't recommend benching Worth outright if he started season too hot and it's probably better than um, your backup option but if, if you do have another great option I would go with that in week three if not move them down the order a bit or maybe not rely on them as much as you have over the first two weeks so if you
0: had like David DeJesus would you start him over Jason Worth
2: um yeah or I might be more aggressive about the platoon in that case so I would start Worth versus the lefties and DeJesus uh, against the righties that week um, yeah, that's the right order. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I, I'd also recommend sitting Trevor Cahill this week. It's uh, probably somebody who maybe be more weeks than not, but just in case he's in the addition, I might go with your sixth option. Uh, the Dodgers offense, it's a little dysfunctional, but it's still pretty potentially great, even without AJ Ellis. Um, how's how's their, Matt
0: Kemp doing so far?
2: He had a game. He had a nice game. We'll see how he... We'll, we'll, we'll
0: see. I mean, it's early, right, but...
2: Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday, but Friday... Be... <laughs> he, could,
0: he could be injured for the <laughs> year. <laughs> all right, all right.
2: Um, but, no, I think, I think that's part of it. You know, Matt Kemp, uh, appears to be healthier, or at least has the ability to lost the ball. And in that case, the Dodgers had a lot of weapons, and particularly against righty-pitching, particularly against righty-pitching that's not elite. And I think Cahill is exactly that kind of pitcher. Um, also, this is probably the first time I'm going to mention it, but, um, you know, score sheet for those people who haven't played it a lot, uh, uses something called luck balancing Ooh. to kind of, um, make sure that players, uh, that their ERAs kind of match their ERAs in real life if they're being played a lot. Um, We're recording this on a Tuesday, so I don't know what's going to happen in his second start in League 2. But Hayhill has two starts this week, and the first one he was hammered pretty hard. So if he's somebody at the end of your rotation who gets two starts in the league, uh, probably only one of them will show up. You may get the effects of one of his bad starts next week already. And then he's going to face the Dodgers on Sunday, and then he's going to face the Dodgers again. So uh, avoid would be my recommendation. And finally, um, Eric Johnson of the Chicago White Sox, uh, because some weeks you are just scheduled to face Boston and Texas. <laughs> uh, I would uh, just go a little farther and just say Johnson should probably be on your bench at any rate uh, until he proves himself against Major Kidding. He got hit pretty hard last week, and he's drawn a number of bad matchups already in the season. Um, I don't think the Sox really have the depth to go in front of the rotation, even if he has a bad of April, but... You might at least get put on last. Um, that's all i got. Anything else? Anyone?
0: No, I did plenty um, of ad-libbing this week. <laughs>
3: uh, one thing, I was at a something today, and uh, there's was a, a drawing, and if you won, you got your uh, first person, you want you got a choice of Nats tickets, uh, whether to see the Dodgers or the Padres. <laughs> who uh, would you take if you got a Choose is versus an one of those. Uh Dodgers? Same price?
2: Yeah, same price. Probably same seats.
1: Dodgers?
2: Um yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I mean if I got to see a Josh Johnson start, it might be different. I'm gonna say Dodgers otherwise. Have you the seen rare ha, Yeah, piece. I was gonna say, have
0: you seen a Josh Johnson start <laughs> recently?
2: I think I saw a griffin and the <laughs> uh
0: so the person <laughs> that won um, picked Padres?
2: No, the big Dodgers. It was just—it
3: was. I made that joke just yeah. to people too. like, like, how is that a choice? Why would you yeah. take the pod? I mean, I guess. I thought it was maybe approach. a
0: trick question or something.
3: No, it wasn't a trick question. It it's was
0: like, cool. does the one include like an autograph session with? That,
2: um, this conversation ends, and that's how I met Tony Gwen. Yeah. We will know. All right, I-, I think we've spent uh, these good people's time long enough. Thanks for listening, everyone we um, want to thank you again for listening to the 3 True Outcomes Sheet Baseball Podcast presented by Baseball Perspectives uh, if you want to ask us a question if you have anything else you'd like to hear going forward drop us an email at dot at Follow us on Twitter at DTO sheet, and uh, be sure to check out our chat on April 22nd uh, on behalf of Ben Murphy and Jerry Weiss I'm Ian Lefkowitz thank you again and have a great day
1: Three True Outcomes They want to entertain you today Three True Outcomes Insightful Baseball is underway Three True Outcomes Come on out to their ballpark and play Three True Outcomes in Ben, and Score Scorchy Baseball can be tricky If you don't possess the edge They'll call it the way they see it You'll rarely hear them hedge They each possess the knowledge Home from years of play. You wanna win at score sheet? You're gonna want to stay with three true outcomes. They want to entertain you today. Three true outcomes, insightful baseball news underway. Three true outcomes, come on out to the ballpark and play. Three true outcomes, the number one independent score sheet podcast in the US of A.